BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Back then, for my life, it was like, why do I feel everything on an insane level? Insane. I could walk into a changing room and know pretty much what the starting 11 was going to be just off the body language of coaches. Just watching them going, just to, I could feel everything and I could feel their fear and sense their fear. Instant. Now listen to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today I've got a very special guest with me. My guest today is Drew Broughton. Good morning, Drew. How are you? Morning, Yassi. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Good. Very well. Looking, looking forward to the new year. Definitely. Me too, man. Uh, it's been a difficult one for everyone, and hopefully you're going to help us with that today. Mm. Um, so, Drew, just for those that maybe aren't too familiar with who you are and what, what you do exactly, would you mind just going into a bit of detail around that, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, who am I? That's a hell of a question. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm 42. I finished playing professional football at 32. So I can't believe a decade's gone by. Uh, left home at 16. Went to Norwich City as a YTS. Was in the first team within a year, 18 months. Scored on my debut at Wolves then played at Palace, was up front with Craig Bellamy. Rob Green was our goalkeeper. So we had, a, we had an exceptional youth team, actually. Um, uh, after Within 18 months of my first team debut at Norwich, three-year deal with Adidas, which was very lucrative. Was in the England 20s with Carragher and Ferdinand and that lot in the World Youth Cup. Michael Owen was part of the squad of 26. So someone looking in would go, OK, you, you, you're a decent player. <laughs> 18, Adidas have chucked a three-year deal at you, which they weren't doing a lot of. Um, I know Kieran Dyer had one, Beckham was five years, four, three years older. So Adidas was starting to go target players then. So if you were looking in, you'd go, well, he's got a chance. Big, big centre forward, athletic, scored goals prolifically all the way up. Um, within 18 months of that debut in the championship, at the top of the championship, I was at Brentford in League Two, Drowning, could hardly kick a ball, didn't want the ball, hated football, full of fear. Um, ironically, if you look at the guy who came up with me from the age of nine, Craig Bellamy, all the way up, and we're still good mates. Why did he, oh, he's small, quick, had his attributes. I'm big, strong, had my attributes, whatever they are. The bottom line is that our trajectory was exactly the same. Then at 18, he goes, Zoom. Within 18 months, he goes for six million 
to, to, to Newcastle, well, Coventry and then Newcastle. Uh, I go down to League Two and then the next 18 to 32 and a half spent searching for that form, uh, club to club to club. Every club I played at, I'd have six or seven, eight great games where everyone would go, manager go, she's the new deal, get him inside, right, we're going to one tactic, get him the ball and we're going to, and then I'd drop off the face of the cliff, my form would just disappear, uh, be full of fear again, back on the bench, out the team, uh, because because I, by then I had a decent reputation, I was big and strong, someone near the bottom of the league was in trouble, manager would call me in, so-and-so want to take you on loan, Drew, I, you know, I'm not, I can't guarantee your games, we're doing okay, do you want to go? Yeah, I'm going to go because they'll love me. They'll, they'll. So I jump, and that cycle of insanity went on for what 16 years or so. So um, 32 and a half, uh, bankrupt, divorced, wife kicked me out, living in, in my car uh, for for a month, and I went to Sporting Chance Rehab Clinic. Um, Tony Adams set that up, uh, and it's funny when I walked in there because. Was I an alcoholic? No, I wouldn't say alcohol was 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 a major issue. Um, there were spending issues, there were sex issues going on in my life. But the head therapist James, then at the time after after the two hour kind of appraisal, because you know the PFA paid for that. There's only four guys allowed in at a time for for thirty days, and so you have to be pretty sure you just because you're not going in there for depression. You have to be in a bit of a chronic state. And the head therapist said you you. You, Drew, he said, don't worry, you'll be coming in here on Monday morning. This was on the Saturday morning. Go home, collect some bits. We start Monday, come here Sunday night. He said, you, you, are, um, you have every hallmark of any, any serious heroin addict I've ever met in my life. Yeah, I'd never touched a drug. He was looking in and going, all of the emotional pain that you have, all the trauma stuff you have, that, that's chronic, chronic, chronic. So I was in there for 30 days. It changed my life. Um, Came out of there uh, on my brother's sofa a bit, but I was in an incredible place. I'd become awakened, if you like, enlightened. I think Buddhism referred to it as. And uh, I had a, luckily, I say luckily, even though I owed a lot of money and uh, I paid that off within 18 months. And I, luckily, I had a qualification. I'd studied for four and a half years. So I studied human movement, uh, biomechanics. I studied with faster education and gift in Gary Gray in the States. While I was still playing, I managed to. I was passionate about injuries, had two hip surgeries. I was quite an intelligent guy. Used to sit on the physio couch after the hamstring had gone again. Well, we, what we need to do is maybe your boots and, and maybe we need to strengthen. I said, please stop. I'm 28. I'm 27. I'm an intelligent guy. This is the same shit that you're knocking out all over the... Every week it's the same or every month it's the same. I speak for mates at other clubs, the same protocol. Something you're not doing. Something, there's something that you're lacking in your ability. Well, obviously that doesn't go down too well. Um, finished training and spoke to a friend of mine who's a sports scientist and just heard a lecture at Loughborough, put me in touch with a guy. I went through John Hardy's education while I was playing uh, online stuff and some days, some weekends and Sundays in London all day. And, and so I studied. So luckily when I came out of rehab, I had a qualification. I really believed in the way I was looking at movement. Rang a good friend of mine who was, I'd met on one of the courses who had his own gym was desperate to work in professional sport, but it's very difficult to do. I said to him, look, I can ring nine Premier League players this afternoon. All of them will pick the phone up. They're all mates. They'll all give, me, they'll all give us their time. Um, what we do with that time, well, that's, we have to get a result and then we've got a business. 
So we did that. And in 20, 48 hours, we had about 25,000 pounds in the business account. The guys had paid for 10 sessions up front. And I, the, the deal was we'd see them at their houses once, twice a week, away from the clubs and sort out issues physically. And I did it for three and a half years. Um, we then started teaching for the education company. We kind of franchised that. Things were going really well. Um, we had about 30 players a week between us from the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain, Harry Kane, Gibbs, Walcott, Ramsey, Toure, Bellamy. We, we had top, top players. Um, Daniel Client, Lalana. Why? What were we doing? That, and, but this is why I've always loved challenging stuff in my life and I've always loved seeking for, for better. And what, what you found pretty quick is that people were very scared of what we were doing. Um, I was always super open. I invited three or four head physios, please come, we bring your videos, camera, I'll video everything. I'm not, I want to give you what I've got. And they never came. Um, they were under, but, but, you know, I'm, I was working with senior players and senior players will make it very clear to the physio team that you don't pay my bills. You don't pay my kids school fees. So whatever I do, I'll do it. And, well, that puts a pressure on because they have to make sure they perform there. Because the minute they don't perform, if they're outsourcing stuff, they're going to be in trouble. So we did that for three and a half years. was going really well. We wanted to open a high-performance centre in London. It was too expensive. My partner at the time, Jake, just wanted to break from football. It was relentless. You know, you had to be a beck and call for the players whenever they wanted you at the house. I, I was in my element. And so what I realised towards the end of that, we, I'd worked with players for two hours. I'd be there for an hour and we hadn't even started because it would start with, how you doing, man? How's, how's today? Yeah, it's all right. Okay, what's, what's going on? Uh, just this. And I found that they were actually wanting me more to, to talk to about what was going on for them as a player, um, fear and anxiety and pressure. And, and, and so we split the company up. Jake went his separate way. I took six or seven of the lads privately and worked with them, but... Then I started working with some players mentally who wanted to pay me for that. And that was six years ago, seven years ago. And it just grew from there. So um, I look after eight players. Um, they will pay me uh, a retainer to manage them. What does that look like? Voice notes, WhatsApps. I watch their games on my scout. And they want to know, they're insecure. What, uh, what do you think? You know, that, that was me today. What do you think? And I, I'm, look, I'm only ever looking at two things, intensity and courage. Um, not bothered about tactics. It's pretty relevant to me, um, you know. So that, that's what I do. And then three years ago, I started social media. I, I didn't need it because in football, it's all word of mouth and trust. Trust is hard to find at pro level. So I started social media, started posting some of my views and my beliefs, my passions on, on subjects. And quickly, I went into the business world and I've been there for three years now across four companies. So I'm, I'm kind of company coach. So. I'm there to uh, be a sounding board for the owner, senior managers, sales staff who are struggling with performance. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the agony aunt and the agony uncle. Um, yeah, so that's a brief overview. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you for that, Drew. Really, yeah. No worries. Um, just a couple of things that you touched on there, you know, that really resonated with me. I've, I've got a background in, in fitness myself and I find myself, you know, previously when I was a personal trainer and things like that, that a lot of the, a lot of the interaction that they were really seeking was actually just that, that connection with someone uh, mm. on a motor, but you know, they didn't necessarily need in some cases, they didn't really need any guidance on the actual, the physical element of it. They just wanted a sounding board, um, so to speak. But, you know, one of, 
you talk there about being a coach and entering the business world now, but um, you're known as the fear coach. Yeah, it was something that we decided to, to, to put down six months ago because, you know, I've been building out this education, which I'm super excited about. We're kind of launching that next week, but, you know, trying to fit that missing gap, which I don't think exists in the B license and the A license and the pro license in football. And in, so we've got two boot camps, one for coaches and one for, for business guys. Because what I was realizing now and the business owners were saying to me, we get a lot of coaches, but no one really, what you do, no one's done that with me. You've not come in with a plan. You've not come in with the six points of leadership and the four pillar model. And I said, what's all that? They said, well, that's typical stuff. You've just gone, how am I? Talk to me about when you set the company up. What was your first fear? What do you mean, what was my first fear? I said, what was your first fear? Because everything spiraled off the back of that. What did you do with that initial fear? So, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I just, uh, I, I do, I, I'm very blessed and cursed, I guess, I have huge natural emotional intelligence. You know, I, I, if, I guess if it was being measured like IQ would, I would be like an Einstein emotional intelligence. My IQ, not very good. Cool, I was pretty poor, had to work really hard at maths, English, science, I really struggled. Um, but emotional intelligence, now I understand what that is. I, I, I just used to, now if there's a word for it, emotional intelligence. Back then for my life, it was like, why do I feel everything on an insane level? Insane. I could walk into a changing room and know pretty much what the starting 11 was going to be just off the body language of coaches. Just watching them going to just, a, I could feel everything and I could feel their fear and sense their fear instantly um, in community, in the way they, even the way their words, the, the tone of their, I could sense everything. Um, horrendous as a player. But as a coach, I've realized it's my superpower. It really is. But, but, yeah. but I think that was part of the reason I struggled so much emotionally as a player, because I would feel everything. And one thing's for sure in football, fear runs the show. Fear mm. is rampant. It's everywhere. Insecurity. I understand why. Managers, five games, they're getting sacked. Look at Frank Lampard. Poor guy's a bit of a dip in form and everyone's talking about, you know, it's, so it's, mm. I understand that's, it governs, you know. Um, so just just on that then you know you, you talk there about that emotional intelligence there's, there's two bits I want to kind of go into first of all mm. what do you see as emotional intelligence what does that what does that mean great question because I asked it to two people yesterday and uh, they said understanding your players to me what deep deep therapy in three years three in 30 days in an addiction clinic and then four years since in silent retreat retreats with monks and inner child workshops and all the stuff i did um emotional intelligence the best way to the best way to flip it for me is let's look at intelligence or iq what is a high iq well i don't know but for me it would be someone in that maths class who can just see problems so quickly right just that super intelligence to just go boom, 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 boom. I can see that, do that. Okay. That, that's my emotional intelligence is just the ability to emotionally feel, mm. to be so in touch with, I'm so in touch with my feelings. It's funny because when you, when you start to look at addiction and Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, and Gamblers Anonymous and Stephen Colcrew is a real good friend of mine, the client, Steve, uh, Steve's now two years sober, but, but one of the, one of the most brutal addicts I've seen when it comes to gambling and drink. I mean, the guy literally blew his brains out. I've seen him in casinos, 
flipping 40 grand down on one spin like just and and if you ask him why i just want to hurt myself i want that pain you know there's some deep stuff but if you look at it addictions and, and all this recovery stuff they always say in alcoholics anonymous if alcoholics anonymous if drink is the problem stop drinking drink drink's not the problem drink drink you're pouring drink on feelings and pain so actually the work you do to recover from addiction is all feelings based work mm. now for me when i did that work well I, I wanted to get my feelings solved because i felt everything so emotional intelligence to be super self-aware to understand if i speak to that player with that tone of voice or if i say that one word i'm going to ruin his day and i'm going to create insecurity and so the phone calls that I'm taking from players all day, I'm about a manager that pissing around again, like moving people in and out of the shape. And do you not understand what that does to people? I said, no, he doesn't. He just thinks you're mannequins that he's deciding on who's playing on Saturday. He doesn't understand that there's three, three, three of you now, four of you vying for the two positions who are going, am I a player? Am I not? I need my contract. Oh my God, my wife's pregnant. I need more money. I need, he doesn't understand any of that. He's not even thinking about it. So, um, just, just on that then, you know, you talk there about he doesn't understand that. And you're right, I think in a lot of cases, they, there is a lack of understanding or a lack of uh, empathy for that aspect of things. Um, in terms, of obviously, the emotional intelligence part now, you said that you, you see it as your superpower. Mm. Has that always been the case? Is that something that you later, you know, at some point you realise, actually, I'm really good at this, I really understand this bit, or is there certain things that you've maybe put in practice to kind of help yourself develop that aspect? Without doubt, I developed it. I always had it because it was it was a great gift. Um, but like I say, it was a curse because even from a kid, I just felt everything. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I think what 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 the deep, long therapy work did was made me understand who I am at a core level. Uh, so I. Who, who, you know, who is Drew? Right? It's a question I work with people on. It's the great question. I think if we nail that, you know, if you ask Jurgen Klopp who he was, I think he'd, he'd nail it in five points and completely own every single one. Mm. Who, who am I? Uh, I'm very sensitive. I'm very emotionally in tune and aware. It's like a sixth sense. Very driven. I was always the alpha male in, in every training room I was at, pretty much. Although I was also, would go home and listen to opera and, cry at Disney and so that was really confusing for me but now I can understand that so I'm very caring but also very aggressive so you know these parts that make me up I I, I can understand them today um I don't know if that answers yeah no I think you know obviously you think the characteristics you had that kind of helped you develop it or help you I guess with this superpower so to speak um I'm just now you know I'm just more conscious of what are some of the things that maybe people can take, take away from this conversation? Think sure, sure. That's doing now to maybe okay. help develop that superpower. Or help totally get that. I think it's a brilliant question, actually, because I think what, and you, you'll know it from, from going through your, your A license and stuff. The FA have, let's take football, the FA have got the four corner model, which is nice on paper, you know, physical, psychological, tactical. Let's deal with the psychological aspect. What is discussed? Very, very little. Very, very little. You know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in my, in my opinion, I think um, it, it's it's there. The four quarter models there is great. As you know, it looks great on paper. Looks um, great. But how much is actually delved into? And you know, I think when you look at the qualifications as well, you also consider are they just they're just touching on points. They're not really giving any insight or 
depth as to how we can kind of tap into those things. Absolutely. I think it's a brilliant point. And so what became apparent to me about a year ago, because, you know, you're thinking, okay, I was at my limit of one-to-one coaching, but, you know, time-wise, you're thinking, well, how do I, I'm passionate about giving this stuff back. So I thought, look, education, and a friend of mine's, you know, written some brilliant education in the the software technology world that he's running boot camps. And he said, look, your stuff, Drew, he said, honestly, write education. So I spent six months just putting down six kind of modules about how, how, what, what process do I take players through to rediscover themselves and their form? Uh, So I I created that. So exactly that. How do we get, it's no point going emotional intelligence. Because if, say as a football coach, you're going to look at Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola and go, I want what they've got, obviously. Mm. Well, what is the one common denominator? Huge emotional intelligence. Well, how do I get it? Right? So I have natural levels. Klopp has natural levels. Pep has natural levels. But how do you get that? Right? So the education that I've written is exactly on that. Let me share with you what that looks like, how to rediscover it in yourself. Because I think all people have it at a level. I think I look at my kids and you've got kids. They, they feel, kids feel like they, they want a cuddle. They want to be picked up. They, they're sensitive. And of course, some are more sensitive. Some have a greater gift that way. Some are more intelligent. But Jay, all, all kids have that, that sense of... I think that's you know, something you touched on there. Obviously, then you know, kind of leads to kind of that path of is it it's nature versus nurture, isn't it? And how much of that, you know, I think everyone is born with it to an extent, you know, and how whatever Absolutely. it is and you know the upbringing they have, and you know, I kind of want to bring that back to you a little bit. In that you talked about leaving home at sixteen mm. um, and going through some difficulties, you know, in in that sixteen-year period of going into Norwich as a YTS, and then obviously, you know, eventually retiring at age thirty-two and a half some of those ups and downs will surely have helped mold and form really interesting some some you know some stronger uh, i guess awareness for you around some of the things that you were going through and where maybe you need to make certain adaptations adjustments to your own life and behaviors so i think i think it's a brilliant you you're firing in some brilliant questions because you you you're making me go into this. Look at let's look at this subject of nature and nurture, which I love. I, I love the subject because I've been on deep self-discovery with myself on this. Mm. I know that my I know my nature um, now. With the way I am, to get my needs met would have been very difficult. I'd have had to have some super self-aware parents. I love my mum and dad, but my dad left when I was six. Um, haven't had a, a, a great relate. I mean, he's a lovely guy, but just wasn't really there. So I didn't really see my dad at any point. So I had to work through all that in therapy. Obviously, that's it's kind of where they take you. Let's go into the dad stuff. And, mm-hmm. and for many years, it was like, well, that's the reason I was so driven. You know, and what's funny is you get players, there's this great myth, you know, I get young players who were already on fortunes at 17 who were struggling. And uh, they say, do, do you think I need to have been like from the ghetto? And do you think I need to have, I think it's absolute nonsense. I said, absolute nonsense. I said, you know, <laughs> I know for a fact, and I look back at games I played where I'm playing against a centre-half who's head-to-toe in tattoos. He's come from a tough, tough area of South London. Eye for an eye, dog, dog eat dog, brothers, brothers inside. He's ready to head the back of my head every header. No problem, because I'll see him off. And I saw two or three guys off like that just by my game. Not, not by try, just by... I know I've trained harder than you. 
So, and, and let's see if you want to go with me. It's that very gladiatorial. And, and what I didn't realize at the time, but on reflection, looking back in my career, I'm like, what is that in me? Because people would say, yeah, but Drew, and I had it. You went, I was at a boys' school, got a scholarship to a boys' school at 12 because my mum was worried that I wouldn't get the right discipline. So I managed to get a full scholarship and go to private school from 12 to 16, rugby playing school. And there was a lot of shame around that because like, well, you know, you need to have come from that adversity and you need, okay, my dad left, but loads of people with mum and dad split up. There was always this absolute lion in there, this relentlessness, this disgust for losing, this pain if I was short of the mark. Mm. Remember it being eight, nine years of age, just the pain. Uh, and, and that was what was on the pitch then, mid-20s, and I'm taking on guys who have had a far tougher mm. uh, nurture. Something that you obviously touched on there as well. You talked about you know, parents splitting up and things like that. And I think the key thing kind of is really to kind of highlight and not, not, not kind of gloss over is that, yes, these things might happen on a daily basis. Yes, these things might happen. They're tough. Many, They're effectors. Yeah, yeah. It's all relative at the same time because the effect it will have on you might be different to the effect it has on this person. Absolutely. Person. So I think that's a really key part. And it's interesting because obviously, yeah, you talk about some individuals and do I need to have come from the get Well, no, actually, you've gone through your own adversity. Maybe kind of just seek where you've kind of actually overcome that. Well, well yeah, seek well, it. But uh, you're right. But seek it. But also, I knew I had that in the eight years of age. Mm. I, I can look back now and know, and this was part of the inner, ch inner child stuff, which is very powerful. You start looking at back. What was that? You know, my mum, I then asked my mum questions. And my mum, obviously, she'd never thought even of talking about this stuff. She goes, no, actually, now you're talking about it. The football coach used to, at school used to really worry, like, ring me. If you'd miss a chance, you'd drop to your knees in this box at seven, eight years and just start smashing the, the, the grass with your, with your hands. I said, really? She's like, well, apparently. So I'm going away and going, there it is. Now, that coach didn't know what to do with that. And, and not, you know, what is that? That... That, that's not trying to fix a void because my dad's not at home. And that, that's, but people would, I had therapists who challenged me on that. And I went, and I, and I fought back against them. I said, no, what if you don't have that as a therapist, which is fine. And so you can't understand it. But, but what I've realized in my work with the, all the players I work with have the same thing. I guess they get attracted, law of attraction. They get attracted to something I say, that, that's me. They all have this absolute animal inside. They're all the game changers. They're all the one player who can turn water into wine biblically. They're all the one player. But that also is a massive burden to carry for them. Um, and they don't understand themselves. Why me? Why, why am I so disgusted with the manager? Why did I just volley the cones and walk in today? And the staff were all like, you've got issues. And yeah, I'm the main player on a Saturday. And what is it with me? I said, well, what, what was the emotion before you volleyed all the cones? Well, mm -hmm. staff, staff called everyone and go, great session, guys, going to wrap it up a bit early today. Um, really good, go and get some rest. And I'm like, that's not good. That was shit. He was lazy. He didn't press. You let him get away with that in the six sides. My team got bashed, three zip, three zip, three zip. And you staff haven't seen that, bollocks. We're going to be losing the next three out of five. Oh, you've always got something to say. Yeah, I have five weeks later, they've lost four out of five big inquest videos, what's going on. And my guy's like, oh, I've, I've been in bed for two days, mate. Oh, I can't, I can't get out of bed. I've got these voices going, drink, drink, drink. I'm like, what, what, what's the pain? I just can't handle this. 
bullshit. Like they all with their initials perceiving to be winners and leaders. They don't have the same drive as me. Mm. I said, no, no, they don't brother. I said, you, you have a unique, I said, that's why you relate to Michael Jordan. That's why you relate to Kobe Bryant. That's why you relate to these absolute warriors who have that drive. Um, but the problem is when you talk about that, people get very, very, very defensive. And I find very offensive, uh, d- defensive when you challenge their work ethic, because in their head, they're maxing out. Mm. And I get it. They are maxing out. But this is where a clock and I speak to lads who've played. And a lad who was, is a Liverpool and he went on loan to a championship club and came back. And uh, one of the championship players, very highly rated championship player, had said to him, walking off the training ground, what, uh, Henderson, um, you know the way I'm training, the way I play, I just want to know, like Henderson's similar to in, in his training. Lad I work and looked at him and said, <laughs> no, no, light years away. I said, what do you mean light years away? This guy's probably on 30 grand a week. What do you mean light years away? He said, I said see, see the way you train and you wouldn't dare train like that at Liverpool. He said, what do you mean? He said, like, like you think you're pressing, you think you're passing, wrapping a ball in. No. He said, what Klopp has driven there in the first couple of years where he was working hard and the shouting and driving it and driving it and driving it, you know, and he had players there like Sturridge and all these guys in those days until he now is taken him five years and he's now got leaders, Van Dijk and, 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 and Mane is an incredible seller. So Henderson, Milner. So you've got these generals who are on his level of drive. Mm. But he had to set that drive. I mean, he, he said he was just relentless, stopping 11 v 11s. That's not pressing. Show me again, run it again. Not pressing, run it again. Not pressing, run it again. Get there. You know, and people just running past people to smash tackles in and Robertson running to the opposite wing to put a tackle in. But people will go, yeah, but it's breaking shape there. Klopp's not interested in breaking shape. Go. Mm-hmm. If we all go relentlessly, people won't live with that. Now, in Germany, when he did that at 33 at Mainz, people then called it Gengar pressing. He, I've heard him interviewed about it. He's like, yeah, <laughs> label it what you want. I, I just see it as let's get together as a group of guys and like wolves, let's just make it so awful for the opposition that they just don't even, they just don't know what day of the week it is. Yeah. And I see what's happened in football if people have gone, well, that's the new fashion. Let's do pressing. And I, I got made to play in championship and they're like, managers all about pressing. They go, miles off it yeah. miles off it and then the staff's having meetings what what's going on and i got guys going light years away like that's not the level well, i think you know it's, it's interesting because obviously interesting yeah only you know that old saying you, you only you don't know what you don't know so if, they, if, if, if you if you're humble if you're humble yeah if you're humble that's a big one <laughs> Um, if you haven't been exposed to it, you're not going to know that whether you're at the right level, whether you're at that level or that level. And I think you, I think that's where a bit of you know actually talking about humility, taking a step back sometimes and thinking, mm, where am I at? Where where you know, there is a continuum here somewhere, as a spectrum of some sort. So I need to kind of know where that next level is. And you talk there, you make know, reference to people like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. People are looking at that and thinking, right, there's a different mentality there. You know, something that they, they and that, that's what kind of I want to aspire to. And you can. A lot of people will say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I like looking at Michael Jordan. I like looking at this person as this person." But you're not really paying attention to the sur- stuff below the surface. 
you're looking at surface level too much. And I think in that respect, it's, um, it's a it's a brilliant thing because pe pe people have said to me, but Drew, you know, not everyone can have that level of intensity. I said, no, it's a, it is a gift. Mm. It's a pain inside. I had a pain inside at eight. Didn't know what it was. Confused the hell out of me till pretty much I walked into rehab and flopped on the bed. Like I, so, I'd ridden that from birth to thirty-two and a half. What is this? What you know? I, I you know I manager after manager. Some of them decorated. Some of them highly decorated players who've gone into management. I remember Paul Ince looking at me one day, Simon Milton Keynes, and just looking at me up and down. I could feel him, and uh, he said, "Some some player, you big man." I know. Thanks. Thanks, Gaffer. Thanks, boss. Now, in that period that he was talking about, it's about November time, I was on the bench. Aaron Wilbraham was playing up front and I, I couldn't get in the team. Put so much pressure on myself. Typical me. Trained harder than everybody else, like a lunatic. Ate, ate perfectly. Come match day. Got to play well. Got to, you know, so never going to do well. I'd got to a point of going, I'm done with this. I'm just going to go out. I'm single. Going to have a few drinks Sunday. Tuesday, we're out with the lads. Have a few drinks. A few girls on the go. So come training, I was like, oh, fuck it. beautiful, let's play football, let's go get a sweat on him. He, he was just observing this, what would be called freedom and creativity. Now, what I was using to get the freedom and creativity, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't recommend it, right? I mean, so it's not long, there's no longevity in it, but what I'd done and I'd stumbled across it was out the team, out the team, can't find my form, everything's so serious. I'm done with it, man. I, I'm just going to run around with the boys now I'd unleashed this. Yeah, I was running around, but to, an, to an, a level which was above everyone else. So Ince was looking at this going, I've been at Man United eight years, Milan, England, like that, that's that level. That's, I've, I know he was looking at me going, this guy, like, I'm in a stadium doing, doing a, uh, an interview on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm looking up in a stadium steps and there he is with his big weighted jacket on, hopping up every step. Like, what is up with this guy? And he's like, big man, go home. You know, like, but he's looking going, that's that level. Mm. The difference with me and the guys that he played with and himself who played at that level was emotionally, I was so, a lot of those guys, probably ignorance is bliss a little bit, didn't, yeah. not, not quite as sensitive. Um, uh, uh, your Roy Keane's and guys like this, I know for a fact, toe-to-toe -to -toe with Roy Keane, desire-wise, no, no problem. But I, I would feel everything and it, oh, well, he said that and I, actually I've got to do well. And, and so... It's, it's, it's a tragedy, really, because you can never marry. And I think the Kobe Bryants and these guys marry that energy with incredible, you know, emotional strength and, and, and understanding. And he talks a lot about meditation. And he did talk about it before he passed. And these guys were doing that while they were playing. Mm. In their peak, I found this in rehab too late. Mm. They found this way of coping. Yeah, I mean, Phil, Phil Jackson talks about Kobe Bryant yeah. said when I took over the Lakers, he was wired. He was, it was too much. Like I had to, I brought him to meditation. I brought him to a softer way, a more peaceful, the spirit of the warrior and this kind of in the 11 rooms. Powerful. Room. Absolutely. 11 rooms. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But I think you're one thing you, you've got to look at. And I think this is where I think a lot of people need to kind of take a step back sometimes. And you've mentioned the word or term earlier about you found your superpower. Now, you know, yeah, I was born with that. I, I, everyone has a different one, don't they? 100%. But then, you know, how, and did, did you know straight away that it was a superpower? Or did you I no, I felt well, well, yeah. well, this is, a it, but here's the fascinating thing nurture. Now, I was born the way I was born with, right? 
I came from a, a mother who was, my grandfather was self-made guy. You roll your sleeves up, you tackle the world again, you get up, you, you tackle it again, you get up. You never don't get up. So yeah. my mum brought up three boys by herself. We're all successful guys. Why? Because that mentality was you get up and you go again every single day. And so that is a great thing to be given. But there was, we don't talk about religion. I, I didn't know about religion until I walked into rehab pretty much. I didn't, and I'm not a religious guy, but I, I, I absolutely am spiritual. And I really, I see the great faiths now. And so if I look at Tiger Woods and there's some posts I'm going to be, start, I've got loads of content. There's some posts I'm going to be doing. There's new Netflix coming out on Tiger Woods, which you can't wait for. Let's look at Tiger Woods. So born this little bundle of whatever he was, which I think was a natural drive and a natural sensitivity. You've got the Buddhist mother from day one, strong Buddhist mother. Um, she was from the, the Far East. Father was ex-Vietnamese war veteran who had seen life as a black American, had seen the racism, had seen all that stuff. So here is this wise, powerful man who's been in the, in the military, seen death, seen life at its worst. And he talks about this, his father, Earl. So Tiger comes into Buddhism, Buddhism let go, attachment to nothing. We're not that important. We're not the universe. We, we, we're pretty powerless. Then you've got the discipline. Oh, you, you like golf, son. You like, you're five. You like golf. Cool. Let's do that then. Let's, this is what it's going to take. Boom, 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 boom. So you've got the discipline alongside this spiritual, take it easy. So what that enables that to do is that natural spirit that he has, super competitive, driven, sensitive, kind, aggressive. It's, it's just beautifully like, the nurture is just mm. perfect. And then difficult then becomes a pro, becomes a billionaire, difficult. The father passes away. You know, the voices, the competitiveness in him, new guys coming on, hitting it further than him. You know, that natural, now nah, I can't have this, right? I'm going to get up at 3 a.m., go with the Navy SEALs. Now, if, if you're Tiger's right-hand mentor and you're his guy, like, Tiger, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you ain't going with the SEALs. Mm. You are just better than them. Yeah. They ain't going to be as good as you, ever, because you, you are you. But that's the bit we struggle to accept. And I think he had to go through his rehab thing to accept, I'm just Tiger. Now, he does the work. Doesn't mean he doesn't work. But yeah. I think the minute you start going to extremes, and this is the great danger I see with a lot of young players watching Instagram and Ronaldo. Right. Well, my life has to be perfect. So you, you're getting a snapshot of Ronaldo. Yeah. You're getting the bit that gets him the brand endorsements. And yeah. you, you, you ain't seeing what he does. And I'm telling you for a fact, if you think he ain't drinking red wine and do, you're kidding yourself. You don't think he's having the odd fag, you're kidding yourself. Mm. You know, like, that, that, trust me, mm. you know, this, these boys can't live like that. They're not robots. Michael Jordan on the, on the cigars all the time. And yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, you, see, you, know, you see it in the last dance uh, um, documentary as well. Imagine yeah. sports scientists going, well, I've just measured the lung velocity and if that smoke's going to affect the lung, he's like, yeah, nice one. Yeah. <laughs> but because, because, because he's keeping, what yeah. he's doing there is going, I need to keep my creative spirit more than anything. Mm. And that's so hard to do. And what, what the tragedy of that show as I was watching it was, you see it gets harder and harder for him to hang on to that creativity. And he's sitting there the whole show with a whiskey and cigar. Now I'm not nice all good but no one talks about that yeah no i think it, it, in some ways you know the, you, 
you almost kind of overshadowed by how much success they're getting that you kind of you kind of turn a blind eye to yeah. it, but you know as soon that's as- the gold dust yeah that's the gold dust how did he hang on his hang on to his the biggest problem for all young footballers in academies is it's coming. The tsunami's coming. I got a message this morning from a young father who's messaged me on LinkedIn. That, uh, must, the tsunami's on its way. How old is he? 15. It's coming. You can see it. Fear. Mm. Passive aggressive. Emotional sickness in coaches. Insecurity is going to get poured on him. Pressure. Pressure. Mm. Jack Grealish at the moment with his socks around his ankles, give me the ball. How long can he hang on to it? Because I don't want to go into Jack Grealish. I think he's an incredible player. But he's doing his stuff off the pitch. Mm. He, he's, he's doing whatever it takes. He's doing whatever it takes to come three o'clock, be ready to go, give me the ball. Most players don't go, give me the ball. Most players go, get through the game. Don't make too many mistakes. Stay in the shape. Stay in the team. Very few go, give me the ball. They I don't. The key thing within that, Drew, is, you know, obviously that thing, mm. whether it be as a player, as a coach, whoever, whatever, you know, whatever you're doing, I think that thing is... is is personal yeah. um and i don't think there's any books any courses anything yeah. you can take that will that will identify that for you i think that's well 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 you maybe not i believe what i've written and i'm not up to selling is profound this is my because look i'm 27 years in professional football from the minute i left home at, at 26 and for the last decade i've coached world top 50 golfers i've coached england's number one female golfer i've coached you know, top Premier League players, internationals have sat with them. Guys who are on a lot of money going, I'm only at 70% best. And I'm going, and, and being the way I come home in the car and I'm hours on the M6 going, what is that? And I'm leaving voice notes for myself in the moment. And I'm going, how do we, how can I help all these coaches understand what yeah. these guys are going through? Well, what, what, what I mean is that, yeah, and you know, I'm not. I can't really comment. No, no, sure, sure, sure. But however, what I would say is that you know, you, maybe you can help me guide guide me on this. Mm. I would like to assume that maybe some of the work that you're doing is more challenging the mm. individual, whether that be the athlete, the, the coach, whoever that may be, to start to consider some questions they need to start asking themselves to maybe help identify what that might be for them, if that makes sense, rather than you prescriptively saying right. There's going to be something that's personal to you, and this is what it is. It's maybe what, what there's one common denominator with every single web, every single one I've worked with mm. in every sport and the business owners. There's one common denominator they're right, and everybody else is wrong. Mm. Mm. It's their experience, isn't it? No, it's their, in, well, it's their instinct. Them at a core level mm. is right, and everybody else is wrong because. The only thing that's right in life is who we are. We don't have anything else. There's no judge or jury on that. It's who we are. So the journey I take these guys on is like, tell me about when you were a young footballer. Oh, what do you want to hear? Like 30 goals a season. Everyone was watching me. And Okay. I did that with myself. Never scored less than 30 goals a season. 25 to 30 for 10 years. Um, get to 18. 18 to 32, I'm averaging seven. My God, the amount of money I paid on psychologists, striker coaches, fitness coaches. Fuck mm-hmm. They didn't have the answer. What? When my, when my body fat dropped to 6%, my resting heart rate was down at 35. Then the goals will come. No, 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 no. I always score goals because I am good. And that is a question that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, you know, if you ask them, are, are you good? Maybe, just maybe, you're just good. 
just good. Yes, we'll put in some physical training. Yes, we'll get... But by... You know, I was on a golf course. And I, posted, I was on a golf course in May in Liverpool with four players. I reckon there was a 1,000 Premier League games in that four ball. None of them mine. Mine were all lower league. And we were taught... And I heard one of the guys say on about the fifth hole, has the coach ever improved you? Now, my ears pricked up. They were walking down the other side of the fairway. So one of the guys goes, nah, not really. No, not one. 33, 34. And I went, and then, and then someone, someone said, Drew, what about you? Like, even at the levels you were at, any, I said, it's a great question. No. Up until the age of 17, 18, when I had to learn the game. I had to learn. I had to learn the role of a centre forward, had to, the runs and the tactical, I had to learn all that, right? That's cool. That's the, that's all done. That's all done by 17, 18. It's done. You've been in the academy for 10 years. Imagine a 10-year degree, right? 18 to 35, these guys, not one guy approached, not one coach even infiltrated me at all. That's shocking because you... you, you... Now, now, that can't be ignored. These guys are... Yeah. They're, they're, they're successful Premier League players. One of them is an international. They had none of them have played for Klopp and Guardiola because we went on to talk about that. Mm. And they and they and one of them said, "Have you seen that Gerard thing where he goes? I'd love to have played for for Klopp. I'd love to have played for Klopp. Like, of course, because Klopp would have just gone, Stevie. I want you to cover every blade of glass. If you see a right winger that you want to smash, go and smash him. If you want to go and dribble and shoot, go dribble and shoot. Whereas under Benitez sitting here and da, 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 no, I'm not knocking that." Why? But I'm going, why does Steven Gerrard, and you can see it in his eyes, going, I'd love to have played for Klopp. I think it's just that element of bringing, it's bringing a different element out of you. you know, it, Himself. And 100%. And I think for me as well, sometimes, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with players in particular, I look at them, mm. right, am I actually going to teach them anything new or am I just going to expose them to something they already know, but they're not aware of it? Um, you mean you mean technically and physically on the on the pitch? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you know. For me, I almost approach the situation in a way where I believe the players have the answers. Mm -hmm. They just maybe haven't been. The light hasn't been shed on it yet. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having those conversations really get them to assess what's happening, and you know, having a bit more of an open discussion where they can be creative with their thoughts and not not it being you know in that element of. Right, I might, I might, I might be wrong here, so I'm not going to say why I actually think and feel, and uh, you know, I think that's a key part of it as well. So I think having that opportunity to work with coaches who, are, I guess, allow you to be more expressive and allow you to be more um, open with what you kind of want to, yeah, just express. Really, I think that that's a key part. I mean, if certain coaches pigeonhole you and say no, I want well, the, well, the, and the bottom line is, there's only one reason that happens. I think life is so beautifully simple. I was looking yesterday because someone said to me about simplicity is genius, and I thought, of course. So I Googled simplicity is genius quotes and, and literally he came up with 10 really famous people across the bowels of the last 500 years, all saying from Aristotle to Einstein to Plato, Plato to all saying stuff around that. Now, what do they mean? Well, it only comes down to two. Everything in life for me comes down to two things. Well, I've called myself the fear coach. There's either fear or there's faith. Now, I don't mean religion. I mean, instinct, trust, that inner knowledge of who I am. Um, Jack Grealish currently has that. How long he can hang on to it, we'll see. Difficult, difficult, difficult. There's only either fear or faith, security or insecurity. 
the Bible says God or the devil. They're all the same thing. Love, faith, mm. fear. The devil in the Bible, I see as, as, as an image of fear running around this. You know, that someone wise said to me, if someone, shoot, if someone wants to sh uh, kill themselves and quiet the voices down, they shoot themselves in the head, not the foot, not, in the, not the heart. Why? Shut, shut the voices up. Mm. Now, I look at Klopp. Klopp has security in himself. He is secure. He's interviewed after a game when they lost, and, he's, <clears throat> and he was very much like, look, it's another game, you know. Guys gave me everything. Uh, it's just a game. Like, we'll, we'll be okay. Whereas I'm looking at Lampard at the moment, it's a little bit, oh, the lads have they've got to run more and we've got to control, you know, that they're not running. And it's like, oh, reasons as to why it's not working out rather than just accepting what the situation is. So. But that right there to finish is the hardest thing. And it's the one thing that separates the great coaches and the great players and the great performers in, in security on that deep level when the pressure gets turned up because it gets turned up, you know. I've seen people very experienced pull on the jumper with the initials on as manager. Whew. I've sat in, co I've coached the manager and I've sat there on a, on a match day in the football league in their office. It's a hive of fear to the point where I said, I can't come anymore. I'm not going to come on match day. I'll come, I'll come straight down to the dressing room with the boys. I'm not, not interested. Mm. Why, why, why? What, what, what is it drew us? It's just stinks of fear. It's like fear colored wall paint and, wallpaper and everything's just mm. he said yeah but Drew the bottom line is if we lose I said, of course man but look that's the do you do any work on that what do you mean work I said, well, <laughs> like you go to the gym and like, do you do any work on that fear because you're going to take that energy down in that dressing room mm. at half one when you present and they I've been a player you've been a player I said we sniffed it smell it on him it's like alcohol on someone's breath. I can smell the fear in his words and his tone. And, you know, that's the single difference between Klopp. I mean, look at the guy. He's like laughing and, ah, you know, it's, it, it, it's the game changer. 100%. Well, look, Drew, look, it's been a, a very insightful and, you know, totally insane conversation for me personally. And I think awesome, man. Loads of little nuggets um, just, and a lot of things resonate with me in my personal journey as well. Um, just, you know, for any of the listeners, the viewers that might have uh, questions or kind of want to go into a little bit more around what we've discussed or even beyond mm. that in some of the work that you do, is there somewhere they can get in touch with you to do that? I found that LinkedIn seems to be the best best place for that. Everyone's on there these days, aren't they? And um, yeah, like I say, I'm launching on Monday um, my, my new high performance boot camps, which has been a, a lifetime in the making, really, and the six weeks. And the, the aim of them are to, with me, to, in a group of 10, to take them on that journey so by the end they really understand their players and they really understand themselves um, because that for me we can start stopping this and it is beyond the pandemic forget covid if we're looking at drop off in performance and if we're looking at uh, mental health issues inside professional football they are off the scale off the scale um but people still don't realise that. And um, because I don't think anybody's really nailing the truth down. There's a lot of just talk campaigns and I, I wouldn't just talk. I'll tell you that now. I, I tried it twice with the manager. I'll never do it again. So I've got young players going, should I open up? I said, please don't. Yeah. You're going to be talking to someone who's not emotionally aware and he is going to see you as weak. He's, there's a little seed. Even if he looks you in the eye and goes, great, I really appreciate you telling me. He'll drive home. And he'll go, 
don't know if I can trust him. Mm, mm. So it, it can't, yeah, LinkedIn and, and I, my, my mission just, I feel it is to, is to take all the stuff I do day to day and I'm, you know, very busy coaching guys one-to-one, ready for match day or in the business world. How can we articulate and create an education that enables other people to, to get some of that? Um, so yeah, man, let's uh, do that. You know, um, so guys, reach out to Proof. You know, he's always willing and welcome to having yeah. this with yourselves. It's Drew Broughton on LinkedIn. Mm. Um, Drew, just one final question. Uh, mm. You kind of touched on it there, but now that you're part of the Coaches Network, what's the legacy that you want to leave behind? Uh, what does legacy mean? Uh, what's the? Last I think. I think. I know what, yeah. Yeah. Go on. You know what's? What do you want to be remembered for? having the courage to be myself <laughs> that's it and I, I think simply I think they've come back to it simplicity is the key um, having the courage to be myself the great people that inspire me guys like Winston Churchill for all his faults and everything that I know he was guilty of in his life ultimately in the darkest hour can you imagine I always say this to the business owners have got to make huge calls on deals that could be a million quid can you imagine that guy sitting there with all his backroom staff behind his back going fuck it He's about to bomb the French fleet, the allied French fleet in the Pacific Ocean. It's fucking gone, gone, gone. And he has to sit there in the dead of night, listen to his heart and make the call. Oof. People, I don't think people, you don't just get five statues or six statues around London for, but you know, that guy had the courage to, to be himself. And they're, they're the people that inspire me, you know, so. Brilliant. Yeah. Look, guys, there you have it. That's another great episode of the Coaches Network. Hope you enjoyed it. Do get in touch with Drew. Um, until next time, guys, take care. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.